Well, uh, just to, to make sure I'm getting this right. So these eye drops have been contaminated with bacteria that is resistant to antibiotics. So people that put these eye drops in, they're just putting a bacteria into their eye. Yeah. And it's, you know, infecting their sinuses, getting into their body. They go to the doctor. They feel like shit. And they're like, oh, yeah, you got a bacteria in here. There's nothing we can do. We don't, you know, antibiotics doesn't help this at all. Well, I'm not saying that there's nothing that they can do, but I mean, okay, they probably yeah. need to get hospitalized. I mean, it, just giving them, a, a you know, a prescription for antibiotics yeah. is not going to do it. It's going to have to. So it's to... very, very serious. You need serious medical attention, medical treatment. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing prioritizing Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome. Everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Prioritizing profits with Ben and Sarah Showered. Um, and then I think you have a little catchphrase underneath it, dangerous drugs and medical devices. Actually, it's dangerous drug and product cases. Dangerous drug and product cases. <laughs> I should probably remember that one of these things. That might be helpful. So, yeah. So what we're focusing on are uh, dangerous drugs um, and also a variety of products. And actually today, what I wanted to start out with <clears throat> are some product recalls because there are a couple of pretty critical things that have happened recently. Um, and just from my personal experience, um, I had to submit a um, recalled products claim. Um, and and when, when you say recall products, that's when there's a malfunction with the product. It just doesn't work very well. It has a, a, the potential of harming you. I mean, is it just literally anything? I've heard of car recalls. Right. So recalls, I mean, and there can be a couple of different, there can be a forced recall or a voluntary recall. It's basically when a product um, is not performing as expected and generally when there's a danger to the public. So if something, you know, just doesn't work that well, but it doesn't hurt you, it wouldn't necessarily be the subject of a recall. So, um, and yeah, and I think most people hear about the car accidents more or the, <laughs> the automobile uh, cases more often. Um, something's wrong with the vehicle. Um, you know, back in the day, there was the... Uh, uh, the exploding gas tanks, if you got rear-ended, back when they had the gas tanks in the rear, some pretty crazy things along those lines. Yeah, I know that there's also mm -hmm. been a lot of, like, pollution recalls where they weren't, uh, you know, reaching the EPA levels, the requirements for, for vehicles in the estates. Anyways, going on <laughs> to uh, recall cases, you recently had a recall situation of your own. Well, okay, yes. And this is like the least dramatic of the things we're going to talk about today. <laughs> but my air fryer was recalled. Really? Mm -hmm. And how did, how did that come about? <laughs> well, so that, and that's one of the interesting things that I wanted to touch on is how do you know if a product has been recalled? And there's um, some, some various ways that you might know. Some of the really dangerous things you'll see on the news and, you know, the Today Show, Good Morning America, they're going to actually talk about this because, hey, you know, these things can kill you, that sort of thing. Um, also, when you buy products, there's always those little postcards where you can register your product. And the purpose of that is that the company, you're notifying the company that you now own their product. And so if there is a recall, mm. they have the ability to reach out and tell you about it. Um, I will just admit that I don't think I've ever sent one of those postcards. Who does that? That's absurd. No, I mean, I, I open up a box, I, I plug it in, and I throw everything else away. Most of the time, the directions, too. I'm lost. I'm figuring it out on my own. <laughs> exactly. So so that's not the, the not the best way, although there probably are people out there. Um, we won't say anything bad about them, but who have the time and energy and actually uh, are responsible enough to do that. Um, anyway, the way that I found out actually was I had ordered the product from Amazon, and Amazon notified me. Um, and the issue with the air fryers, in case anybody has one, it's the Kasori. 
And they, but, but it is actually relatively serious because due to some wiring issues, it can actually overheat, it can catch fire. There were a number of, of situations where it actually started fires in people's kitchens. Um, I didn't see any indication that somebody had, you know, that there had been any deaths involved, anything like that, but there had been some, um, you know, some burn injuries and that sort of thing. Um, and it's usually a relatively, you know, simple process, although I have to say if you're not really IT savvy, I, mean, I had to take pictures of the front of the thing, the side of the thing, the bottom of the thing, find, you know, the lot number. And then you actually had to cut the cord and show a picture showing that the cord had been cut because they're not going to give you a new one if you're not proving for darn sure that you're, you're not, not using the be. old one. Yeah. yeah. Jeez Louise. And so did they, they just sent you a new one. They didn't refund you or didn't give you any like bonus fee for, for issues and problems or anything like that? No, I mean, they, they can handle them different ways. I mean, this, this recall, I think there was an option um, if you wanted to order a different product, you could. And, you know, air fryers were quite, you know, the rage during lockdown. Oh, and that's when I got mine. And um, in fact, I actually got one for a friend as a gift. And I just had to notify her because I wasn't because she wouldn't maybe be on the radar even for Amazon. Yeah. Um, so I would, it would be terrible if my gift burned her house down. So That would be a pretty shitty gift. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> and then we could get into like homeowners and insurance issues, which we definitely won't go there. And so. do, do recalls make up for a, a reasonable portion of mass tort cases? Or is that something that, you know, you, you consistently look for? Or is that something that's just kind of every once in a while there be that, you know, diamond in a rough recall case? Well, most products don't get recalled. Um, so it, back in the days of the, um, well, not, not that there aren't still some, but the artificial hip cases, the, the metal on metal, those were actually recalled. Um, but more and that's on, in your body. I mean, that's, that's the, the process of returning. That's a lot more complicated. <laughs> it, it's also easier to track down the people because they know exactly <laughs> who, who they <laughs> sliced into and implanted a, a hip into. Um, but more often than not, in these mass tort cases, the company is not acknowledging that there's a problem. They're, they deny all the way till the end. I mean, even when you settle the case, they'll say in the release, we are not admitting that there is any problem with our product. We still don't think there is, but as a, you know, in an effort to avoid litigation, blah, 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 we're going to pay you this money. So more often than not, there's not an actual recall. The recall is, is I mean, it's great in a mass tort because that's like almost an admission. Admit, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're saying, yes, there's definitely something wrong with this. So that takes you past that whole liability stage of trying yeah. to prove the problem they've admitted it yeah so so that's those are kind of a home so run case even if recalls kind of exist they they don't aren't admitted to it's not defined as a recall because the the company's never recalling it they're never admitting admitting that there's something wrong with it well in the, in the cases where they don't recall it yeah yeah, the, yeah then there's no admission once yeah. they recall they're saying yes that there's we a, fucked up there's it's this has gone down the shitter <laughs> Oh, they usually don't word it that way. No. Hardly yeah. ever. Honestly, I would feel better if I was personally hurt by any of their products and they're like, hey, look, guys, we, we dropped the ball. Okay. We shit the sheets a little <laughs> bit. Um, it's our bad, our fuck up. We got you. I, I would feel better from that, from that than like a very, you know, lawyer crafted statement. Yeah. Well, definitely. Hey, yeah. we shit the sheets. Our bad. <laughs> hey, it's all right, what do man. we owe you? What happens? We're going to compensate you fairly for yeah. what happened. Just tap them up. Hey, next yeah. time. 
hey, well, I mean, I, I, I would hope and, and it would be great if more manufacturers took that position. <laughs> we, can only, uh, we can only keep our fingers crossed. And in the meantime, uh, as attorneys, we have to keep them on their toes and call them out on these things and, and prove that there's problems with them. Yeah. And with the air fryer, I mean, I guess anything with food recalls can be kind of scary. But, you know, you mentioned the hips, how there's a recall. And then I, I know there's other devices or other, I think any type of recall where it's something that is in your body or you're putting in your body is even scarier than these type of, you know, your car is getting recalled or your air fryer, your TV, something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of them are like, you know, you, what I see a lot of, and I'm on that email list, so I kind of, I get these these notifications when anything's recalled. And like, you know, a gazillion times there's some food because there's undeclared tree nuts may be included or something yeah. like that. Um, I mean, which can be serious if you have an allergy. Yeah, um, come on. Who's, yeah, you know. <laughs> come on. All right, all right. <laughs> tree nut allergy, a little overrated. Kind of a call for attention in my opinion. I don't know. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, things that get recalled that, that uh, in that, and in that actually, I mean, it, there's potential for a serious uh, issue there, but a lot of times it's not. It's just like, you know, they didn't disclose the accurate amount of something that's not dangerous. Um, so there are some pretty trivial recalls, but then there's some, some big ones. Um, you know, and one of them that I wanted to touch on today is um, a, a recall. Well, actually, two of them affect uh, children and babies. Um, and one of them is a weighted blanket. It's Ooh. yeah. So weighted blankets have become quite the rage, and I guess they're very yeah. calming and that sort of thing. I could use one of those. That you sounds, don't have one of those? Uh, no, I have Bruno, my dog. He's yeah. my weighted blanket. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. And he's he's uh, he's pretty solid. No, nah, he flops right on top of me. I can't move him if I tried. <laughs> yeah. Well, so weighted blankets they got super popular, um, and you can get them all over the place. Um, the one that's being recalled is uh, a brand called Pillowfort, and it is what Pillowfort. Um, and it was actually sold in Target. And, you know, we all love our Target. Um, Big Target fan. Definitely. In fact, I, I, I can recall many times going into Target with Bruno. Yeah. So um, the problem with these, though, is that they actually can cause um, suffocation. And two children so far have actually been killed. Jesus and, Christ. Yeah. I mean, really scary stuff. Um, and again, you know, if you bought this product and you didn't send in that little card, they wouldn't be contacting you directly. Um, I haven't seen this on, um, you know, on any of the big news shows. It may have come out, but again, it comes out, it's like this, you know, flash of the pan. It's, you know, one thing, a couple of seconds, one day. And if you didn't catch it, you don't know. Um, and you know, obviously we're, we, we are, you know, want to take the best possible care of our children. And there's so many issues with children and sleeping and, uh, you know, not suffocating yeah. this way, that way. Anyway, so it's, it's pretty serious. Um, if you have one of these pillows, uh, pillow fort, uh, weighted blanket sold by Target, um, both the, the Consumer Product Safety Commission and Target are saying, if you have this product, don't use it. You can absolutely return it for a refund. They usually cost about 40 bucks. Again, that's the least of the worries. The big thing is taking care of your child, making sure that this child, child is not left alone with this product. Um, they're actually able to open the covering and get inside. And, and, and literally two children have died as a result. Well, so I'm a little bit confused about this because this is a weighted blanket. So it's meant to be heavy, right? You want to feel almost like a hugging pressure on you when you're, when you're in it. And, the, and these kids that are, are they new? Borns, are they infants? Is this like three or four year olds that are just like, oh, you know, I'm tired. Let me throw this blanket on, and then they're suffocating in this in this sleep. You know how? 
What age group and how is this happening? Well, so the details haven't been disclosed about the, the two children that have died. I, yeah. I couldn't track anything down on the specifics about that. I don't know if there's a lawsuit out there yet, um, but very likely will be, um, especially because now that there's kind of an admission that there is a, a dangerous aspect to this product. Um, I would imagine, you know, again, it's going to be the, the, the very young children mm-hmm. who are not able to move the blanket off of them or once they get inside that covering, yeah. um, you know, that, that could be problematic. And the dangerous aspect is it's just too weighted, too heavy. Well, it, it allows them to get kind of inside and then there's a, the, the weight aspect. Okay. So. It's unpredictability of the weight aspect. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I, you know, again, any kind of weighted, uh, there's so many issues with children and sleeping and I can't imagine you'd want to, I mean, right now babies, you're not even, they're not even supposed to have any blankets, yeah. you know? And so a weighted blanket seems doubly, triply, whatever, dangerous. Um, and, you know, so I'm assuming that these are not used on infants, but definitely young children. Yeah. And so. that's what I was thinking is that it's really tough for products like this where a weighted blanket, it's, it's, it's a weighted blanket. Um, unless it's blowing up and it's heated or something like that, it's hard to make it say like, okay, this is very clearly causing these major problems. You know, if a parent's just putting a very heavy blanket on an infant, <laughs> like it is at the blanket's fault, not necessarily, but it, you know, if it, if it's just normal kids are crawling inside and then not being able to get out, then that's different. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's probably one of the difficulty, difficult parts, because like you said, there isn't details on those death cases. You don't know if there's any lawsuit coming out. And so the future, like what what's coming up is kind of mm-hmm. unknown. I mean, at least now it looks like they're doing some sort of recall or saying you can return. No, no, it. it's been re- it's been recalled. Recall. Um, and you definitely can get a refund. And and I think that you know to get in a little more detail. I mean, I mean, a weighted blanket potentially could be dangerous just in and of itself. But if it's just a blanket, it can be presumably pushed off. But again, the covering there's an open covering that people oh. are getting. They're getting inside to it and then getting stuck. Oh, okay. So um, it's a little presumably the safer way to do that would be a non-removable covering, or you know, it does not. So have it's like a opening. sandwich. It's like a like a little like a burrito almost that their people <laughs> they're throwing their kids in and then they're stuck hot in dogs. between. Yeah, like yeah, a hot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so not a great design. No, um, no. Clearly recalled. If you have these products. Uh, and we'll put up a graphic um, giving some more information on that. Um, but you can ret- return it for a refund. If your child has been injured, obviously, you might want to reach out to uh, to an attorney. Um, but really, the key is get, get rid of these things. Don't use them. Let's not get injured. And is there like a website that you can go in and just type in a product that you have or that you might have concerns about and see if it's uh, any under any recall? Yeah, yeah. Actually, the Consumer Product Safety Commission. You can go right on there, um, and and in fact, you can just if you want to just look at categories, it child products. Yeah. You know, you can. I mean, you can spend all day. I mean, because again, there's a gazillion of them, and some of them are just such minor little things that are never really going to cause an injury. But then some of them are these big, scary things, and this is one of the big, scary things. Um, and likewise, the next thing that the the next one that's a, again a very recent recall and um, involving children. Um, our Fisher-Price rock-and-play sleepers, those have been recalled. And on the weighted blankets, there's only about 200,000 of those out there. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but on these, there's 4.7 million out there. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, very scary. Um, the problem is that the children are, like, rolling over from their backs onto their stomachs. They're not restrained um, in these products. And they know of about 100 deaths. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, and these were sold um, online, and you know, so so they're all over the country. Um, they were sold at Walmart, Target, Amazon, um, 
And these actually have been recalled, well, actually, as of January 9th, um, it's actually illegal to sell or distribute this wow. product. Right, right. I mean, once it's recalled. And it's kind of like with the, the air fryer. I mean, you know, literally you have to show a picture of you with a cord cut showing yeah. that it's unusable. Um, but if you know anybody who has these, again, don't let your child sleep in them. Um, and, and, you know, and also, again, as to the notification process, a lot of people buy baby products used because, you know, you use them for a few months. Or it's a baby shower, you know, and it's a gift. And then what, the, the gifter gets the, the notification or they have to keep an eye out and then let that person know? I mean, well, I mean, presumably if the package is sealed, that card that you could send in would be like the, the gift. Okay. Uh, yeah. Who's sending <laughs> in that card? I think the only way someone finds out about a recall reasonably this day and age is from Amazon, right? You order on Amazon and they let everyone know that has gotten that product that it's a recall. Other than that, there's no way that I'm going onto, you know, the user consumer website and looking up the headset that I just got to see if there's any recalls, you know, Uh, it's, and it's difficult. That's the difficult part is that it's like almost unrealistic because of how many things that we have. And I'm sure just how many possibilities of recalls that there are um, to keep up to date and to be updated on, on what's going on. That's one of the things we're here to do, to talk about some of these scary, serious products. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, just um, uh, we will uh, put up a graphic with some information, hopefully, um, who to contact. But again, all of these products, you can certainly get your money back. Um, You know, other things like, for example, with the air fryer, they'll just replace it with the new one that has, you know, where they have uh, resolved the issues and the danger. If you have damages, it's worthwhile to reach out to a lawyer or someone, right? Like for the example of the kids that, you know, it's unknown the details around it or if there is a lawsuit happening, but it's still in their best interest to at least reach out and see what's what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it never hurts. Again, if you if you suffered no injury, I mean, for example, I'm not calling any attorney about my, my air fryer. <laughs> my air fryer. Yeah. Um, I have been without the ability to fry by air for uh, like a week now. I don't know how you manage. I mean, I'll just be honest. The thing had been sitting there. I was kind of using it as like a shelf yeah. at this point. I hadn't used it recently. Uber but... Eats has come in clutch this week, I'm sure, with no <laughs> air fryer. Well, actually, one other recall, and this is is a big litigation as well. It's a recall that has now spurned a litigation. And again, this is something that's that's super scary. Um, There are eye drops um, that have been recalled. It's called EzraCare Artificial Tears. And these things, usually you think an eye drop's not going to be particularly dangerous product, but they've actually been contaminated. And it's an antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So actually what they call like a superbug. Yeah. Yeah. And so once you get infected with this thing... You're fucked. And antibiotics don't do anything. Antibi- yeah, they laugh. They chuckle. Yeah. Uh, let's try that again. They curl uh, up. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so, but, but it's really scary. Um, and, and so people have lost vision as a result. And there's actually been a death because, you, you know, you, these, these things get absorbed into your eye, into your... Um, you know, into, into your sinuses, yeah, and so you can actually become septic. I mean, oh, where I'm your sure. entire, yeah. you know, you have the, this infection, you know, raging throughout your body, and so that there, there actually has been a death. Um, and again, these are things that can be bought online, so they're all over the country. Um, I think that so far, and there have been lawsuits filed on these. Um, let's see, it looks like. Well, uh, uh, just to, to make sure I'm getting this right, so. These eye drops have been contaminated with bacteria that is resistant to antibiotics. So people that put these eye drops in, they're just putting a bacteria into their eye. Yeah. And it's 
you know, infecting their sinuses, getting into their body. They go to the doctor, they feel like shit, and they're like, oh, yeah, you got a bacteria in here. There's nothing we can do. We don't, you know, antibiotics doesn't help this at all. Well, I'm not saying that there's nothing that they can do, but I mean, okay, they probably yeah. need to get hospitalized. I mean, it, just giving them a, a, you know, a prescription for antibiotics yeah. is not going to do it. It's going to have to. So it's very, very serious. You need serious medical attention, medical treatment. Um, and, you, you, you know, you've got to take this seriously. Um, and, you know, like I said, I mean, there's already one death that we know of, um, and they're, they're all over the country, and they have been recalled. And again, you know, how do you know? How do you how do you know if you're using these things? I'll tell you when I saw this, I like ran up and I get I get dry eyes. And so I have eye drops all over the yeah. place. I have my travel bag, I have it on my bedside table, I have it at the, the ranch, I have them in my car sometimes, you know. Mm. And so I'm like, holy shit, I need to look at all of these and make sure that I don't have 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 this. Well and, and how does that even happen that it gets contaminated with a bacteria like that? Like is it intentional that they didn't realize what they were putting in there, or it just no. kind of slipped, you know, a, a vial with a, a skull <laughs> and cross bones just kind of falls off a desk into the eye drop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> into the eye drop basket. No, 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 no. I mean, it usually has to do with, with uh, lack of sanitary procedures uh, or, you know, at the plant. And so there's different, this happens sometimes you'll see where the, a certain batch or lot are recalled when they realize that they may have been contaminated. So mm-hmm. I don't certainly think that this was an intentional thing or some sort of, you know, terrorist act. Yeah. Or, uh, any- that would be a good terrorist act, honestly. I mean, <laughs> We can't see. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think there's anything like that. I mean, negligence. And uh, and it was interesting, too, how, uh, you know, that they finally discovered that it was coming from the eye drops. Um, but they did confirm that, tested the batches. Yes, there is a problem. And so now all of the ones that are out there, you know, they're, we're certainly trying to notify the public about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, check out your eye drops. Um, again, we'll have some, some information on that. Uh, yeah. If you need more information, you're always, uh, always welcome to get in touch with us directly as well. And, I mean, the, the, first, I just want to clarify, too, they're eye drops. I, I cannot stand this artificial, uh, what, what's, what, artificial tears. tears. What does that even mean? Yeah. Artificial tears? No, just I just want to drop some shit in my eyes. You know, I don't want to fake cry. That's what I'm thinking when I hear artificial tears. But when <laughs> when there are cases like this, you know, you got the the air fire, which you got to cut the cord. No big deal. But then this seems so much more extreme. Um, you know, a simple new air fryer is not going to bring my vision back. Uh, what 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 does the process look for look like for those individuals? Well, so definitely you you could and probably should pursue legal action. Um, the company has basically admitted that yes, um, you know the, mm-hmm. these these this product has been contaminated. Um, so so yeah, if, I mean if you have injuries, you it it was they did not follow safety you know proper safety procedures within the. Uh, manufacturing plant. That's why it happened. It was their negligence. Um, so you're, you're pretty much past that. If you can establish that you had the product, uh, you know, that it, it falls within the parameters of the products that were contaminated, um, you know, you're past the liability. But then the question is, you know, what, what are your damages? Um, some people have, you know, as I said, the, the bad ones are blindness or death. But, you know, certainly other people have had issues and have had to undergo medical treatment and luckily haven't lost their sight. Again, they should be compensated for their medical experience expenses, lost time from work, pain and suffering, all of those things that we, we look at in, in, uh, uh, in, in, in legal actions. Yeah. I mean, that's awful. Yeah. It's something you just buy online and then go to work the next day and all of a sudden you have a 
antibiotic resistant super bacteria bug. Super, super bug going bug through your system. It's cape crusading. And so, so do you you get consistent updates on these type of cases and whatnot? You know, when these happen, um, even if, like you said, with those those cases, there's there's only two kids that died, but you find out about them pretty quickly. I'm assuming there's um, an email list or some. Well, yes, you can sign up for notifications. And because of the nature of my business, I I am signed up for those notifications. And then I'm also just on a lot of listservs that that address these types of things, because that's obviously been the focus of my career for a long time now, Mm -hmm. are dangerous products and drugs. And so um, I'm constantly getting bombarded, actually, with all of the various ones. And again, most of them are relatively minor. Um, If you want to get a whole lot more emails, feel free to go to the Consumer Product Safety Commission and sign up for alerts about everything. Yeah. Um, But again, I mean, you can narrow it down to what you want to hear about. I think we'll probably throw some links into the description of just different places people can maybe check out and see if there are any recall on products that they own or that they use. But overall, I mean, we'll probably be going over just recent recalls that will be coming up um, throughout the weeks in the podcast. So definitely keep an eye out for yeah. For any information there. I think it's probably a good time to move on to cases, updates on yeah. cases. So one of the a significant update is the hair straightener cases. We've talked about those um, pretty extensively. And those those cases have now been consolidated into a multi-district litigation, um, which is a very good thing from our perspective, from the plaintiff's perspective. Um, and that has been consolidated in the Northern District of Illinois, which is in Chicago. Um, that is a, a very favorable jurisdiction from our perspective. Um, and those cases are moving forward. They are, um, you know, generally when it first gets consolidated, there aren't a ton of cases because people kind of wait until the consolidation. The process is much more streamlined, mm-hmm. uh, much more efficient. Once it gets consolidated, you can do this direct filing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see, once it gets consolidated, you see cases coming in. And so Flooding that's, in. yeah, that's going to get, um, that's going to get, get moving pretty quickly now. Um, one other update is just, a, a kind of a, a time issue. Um, Revlon is in bankruptcy, and there are some timelines if the product that you used was a Revlon product that are much shorter mm. than um, the other products. So, really, any product you used, it's critical that you that you, that you act timely. That um, if you if you believe that you may have suffered. Um, damage as a result of these products, don't wait. Yeah. You know, contact an attorney right away. There may be timelines that you're not aware of um, that are ticking away. And, you know, it's so frustrating when you have a client and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, clearly you have had a case. Mm-hmm. Clearly this problem was related to this product. And I'm so sorry, but the time is run and I cannot help you. I mean, I, I can't, the many, many times I've had to tell people that and it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and for the Revlon, I think, you know, we should, we should definitely go into the, the products, but I do want to go back to the hair straightener real quick, because you mentioned the consolidation and how the process of kind of getting cases in is a lot easier once the consolidation happens. Uh, and, and I know that leading up to a case, right, you have an idea of kind of how widespread it is that it is a good case that there's going to be enough people affected by it that it will be you know worth pursuing when that consolidation happens is that kind of also an eye-opening time to see how many cases and just how many people are affected because i'm assuming a lot of people are kind of holding back submitting their cases until that time so once that consolidation hits is that kind of just 
you know, all the lawyers are like, okay, wow, this is just how big this case is going to be. Yes. Yes and no. Um, when, you know, there's always, for example, we were just at American Association for Justice Convention, the AAJ Convention in Phoenix. And so before it's consolidated, you know, the attorneys are communicating, um, you know, if you're involved in these organizations. And so people kind of have an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, at the start, one of the big questions is how many people are going to be affected. And so you look at, first of all, what's the prevalence of the usage of the product? And again, this is a product that's, you know, been used for many, many years and quite extensively, you know, within certain Mm -hmm. population groups. Um, And then the next question is, what percentage of people who use the product are going to have the problem? And you don't know for sure about that. um, But from the studies, again, it it was, you know, multiplying the the incidence of of getting uterine cancer. So we know that while that's not a really common cancer, now that's going to be basically yeah. doubled or by up by 40%. So, um, you know, we don't know exact numbers. And again, that's not going to be, you know, um, not everybody's going to be affected, but the, the people, the longer they use the product, the more likely. Mm-hmm. And it's been out there a long time. So we think there are a lot of people. But then to the yes part of that <laughs> is, again, yes, people are accumulating cases. Um, they are signing clients up. But we don't know unless they are sharing that information how many are out there. Then, yeah. then uh, consolidation happens and the cases get filed. Now, even once a consolidation happens, oftentimes people will hold off on filing until you get closer to the, the statute of limitations or the individual deadline yeah. for, for that case to be filed. Um, and and you know that kind of goes back and forth. Sometimes people file them much earlier because you know they want to get their cases in. There's no reason necessarily to wait. Sometimes people hold off because there's a filing fee and, you know, uh, maybe it would settle before you file. It's rare, if, rare if ever. Um, but, but, but yeah, you see the floodgates kind of open, I guess, is the answer. You see a whole lot more. No, that, that makes sense. You know, I would assume, especially in mass tort, everyone kind of needs to be on the same page and understand that it is, you know, a high, a high potential case. And most people are communicating and they're saying, you know, we're receiving these cases, we're seeing this and, and telling everyone else because it helps everyone else. But, you know, I'd also assume there's probably a few people out in Ohio, not going to any of these conventions, just stockpiling cases, not saying a <laughs> word. And then boom, on this day, they just let it all rip and, um, so, I mean, I'm assuming there's a few people like that in his Yeah, well, I mean, in any business, I mean, there's the people who are cooperative, there's the people who aren't cooperative. There's Lone people, wolves. There's the people who want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's kind of some infighting and some some interesting things along those lines. But, you know, to, to that, also, you know, in some of these litigations where there are so many cases, and for example, the, um, uh, the hernia mesh would be an example, I mean, where there's just, you know thousands and thousands and thousands of cases. On those cases, um, sometimes it's tactically advantageous to file at a certain time. And so, you know, leadership might reach out and say, hey, you know, we're trying to really put the pressure on for settlement. If you have cases that are unfiled and you're holding on to them, please file them now. And then everyone puts them in and it puts the pressure on. Yeah, the people who participate. (laughs) Some of them them are still going to do their own thing, whatever. But then there's other times when they're saying, look, they're feeling overwhelmed. They want to talk settlement. So if you have cases where the statute's not coming up, hold off on filing Mm. So there, you know, again, if you're cooperating, there are 
tactics, I guess. I, you know, I mean, there's times when it makes sense to file, times when it makes sense yeah. to maybe hold back on the ones that don't have to be filed yet. Um, and again, if there is a settlement that's coming up and they're in discussions and they say, we will include unfiled cases, then again, I mean, it may not be much, maybe $400, but you don't have to incur that cost on behalf of your client, you know, if we're in active settlement negotiations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's interesting. You know, I never realized or thought about it that it's almost this massive nationwide movement of, of lawyers, you know, against this in this same direction. And, you know, like anything, you're anything this size, you're going to get a few lone wolves that don't listen. And <laughs> nutbags, yeah. we call no. <laughs> They do whatever they want. But it is like the cool idea of just kind of this, this council that can rally, um, you know, everyone together to either put their cases in or to hold off, depending on what's best for the case and obviously the clients of everyone there. Absolutely. And it really goes back to the whole purpose and the benefits of the mass tort system. Yeah. And that is that, you know, if each attorney who had one case or two cases is trying to fight this, you know, huge corporation, the odds of that being successful are slim it's to none. Impossible. I mean, you really have to have, you know, the, the financial resources, the staffing resources, all of that. And, you know, but, but when we all work together as a group, we're actually able to take on these corporations. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, it, it's, a, it's a great system. I mean, no system is perfect, but, um, it, you know, it, it usually... I mean, it's certainly, uh, I've always been a strong proponent of putting my cases into the multi-district litigation. There are some times where you might have some outlier case and you don't want it to, to go through the global settlement, settlement, you know, or you really want to try to, you know, be this star trying this case outside of it. Yeah. There are people like that. But more often than not, it's a benefit to the plaintiff to, yeah. to be um, included, even if it toward, maybe if at the end they need to step out of the settlement. And I've had cases where that, was the best option for the client at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, generally working together and working as a group, that's how that's how we we bring these companies to a, to the settlement table. It's how we um, bring these companies to justice, if you will, really. Yeah. I mean, make them take responsibility for their actions and the injuries that they've caused. I was going to say, you know, justice or maybe even retribution for, for the, <laughs> the victims here. Um, and kind of speaking on that, I know that you mentioned after this, this uh, hair relaxer case, there was something that was a little bit more time sensitive um, that people needed to get their cases in for. Right. So one of the things we talked about the last time were specifically the products, and we'll put up a graphic about those. But the, the, the primary products that are involved, the manufacturers are um, L'Oreal, again, very big company. Their products are Optimum and a product called Dark and Lovely. Um, Revlon. Now, Revlon is the one that is in bankruptcy, and so there's a really tight mm. schedule. Um, that product is called Cream of Nature. Uh, there is also another product called African Pride by Godrichson Holdings. Um, and then another, and this one just really pisses me off a lot, too, um, a company called Strength of Nature, and their product is called Just For Me. And the one that just makes me so mad, because this is the one that's specifically directed towards children and, and teaching these kids at this young age, you're not okay how you are, you're not okay naturally, your hair is mm -hmm. bad, you need to straighten it, you need to look more white or something. It's just, oh, that one makes me crazy. Oh. Um, and then there are some other smaller, um, smaller companies out there, but the key here is that you know it's really critical to get in touch with somebody sooner rather than later and more often than not somebody who's using hair straighteners is not always using one particular one mm -hmm. 
you know, I mean, there may be some brand allegiance. And then sometimes people are also going to salons. And so they may be, when they go to the salon, they use this product. Um, when they're doing it at home, they use another product. Hey, this one's on sale this time. Let's yeah. try that out, see how it is. So there's a lot of situ- uh, cases where there's what we call mixed use. Mm-hmm. And again, if you, and you can include multiple defendants. When you mm-hmm. file these cases, I check off, yes, I use this one and this one and this one, not that one. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and you, and if there's one that is, you know, is in bankruptcy and you have to file a notice of claim, it's a different process. You got to get that in. So, mm-hmm. so that's critical. Um, best thing you can do again is talk to somebody sooner rather than later. The, the statute of limitations, the deadlines can be complicated, can be confusing. But if you talk to an attorney, um, and maybe bam, we jump on it right now, we get it filed, um, or maybe you know you can relax, and we have a little more time. I and, say relax in this context. And so yeah, and so that was Revlon. So maybe we can throw up some some pictures of their specific products. So if anyone listening is using those, then it's a little bit more time sensitive yeah. to to reach out. Yeah, and that's the cream of nature. It's cream product, of nature. Yes. Yeah, not a big fan of that name either. Cream of nature. A lot of these names are pretty i mean yeah they like it just rub me the wrong way i don't yeah, know why but. make me a little uncomfortable don't know what it is yeah um, but okay so so definitely more time sensitive on that but hair relaxer as a whole if you aren't um you know using the cream of nature then it's still you still have time i mean obviously it's always good to reach out sooner rather than later but those because they're not bankrupt it's not as well, that's one issue. But again, the timing, I mean, if, if you um, were diagnosed, depending on how long ago you were diagnosed, um, there still could be time limitations. Um, if there was some doctor who seemed more in the know than others and told you, you know, years ago, and again, different states have different statutes of limitations. But, you know, like say in Arizona, two years, if a doctor had mentioned to you, hey, I think it's your hair relaxer, and they mentioned that three years ago, whew, Um, But in all likelihood, most people's two years would start to run from when this really came out, when the, you know, when the studies came out and when it was talked about in the news. And so when you could have reasonably known that your injuries were related to the product. Yeah. But again, it's very complicated. All the states are different. Um, But just just don't sit on this. I mean, that's it's so frustrating. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients say, you know, oh, gosh, I saw your commercials for years. And, you know, I finally got around to calling you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, but if you just would have called me last year, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's difficult. And I think even um, what makes it even more difficult or confusing is, like you said, it's different state by state, you know, depending on where you are listening to this, the re- requirements and regulations could be completely different. Um, and even though, you know, one mass tort lawyer can take cases from all over the country, you know, which ones actually qualify are different based on the state. And that is insane. Well, I don't know if it's insane. <laughs> okay, not insane. Not insane. But it, it, it's, I guess it's more just like yeah, overwhelming different. from the consumer perspective. Right, from the right. client perspective, it's really overwhelming thinking about how just because of where I live, my case can just not qualify. Yeah, well, I mean, and that comes up in a lot of contexts, like the abortion issue and all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, the state's rights. And yeah, so, um, but again, as a mass, if you practice in this area of, of mass torts, you're used to handling cases throughout the United States, and you basically know what the statute of limitations are for the various states yeah. and that sort of that sort of situation. Um, there's all kinds of charts and, and all of that, but um 
but yeah, I, you know, again, just don't hesitate. Um, the worst thing, what, what, you waste a phone call, you waste a chat, something like that. Um, yeah. You find out you don't have a case, fine. Um, but it's just so much worse if you find out you did have a case. And we're nice. We got Danny on the phone, so yeah. she's, she's very personable, and you can hop on and, and talk to her any day. Um, probably a good time to, to switch into cases that we're also, other cases that we're also looking at right now. Yeah. So, um, well, one of the cases that I wanted to talk to and, and talk about today, and this is not one where there's like hundreds of thousands of cases out there, but for the, the people who do have a case, it's, it's pretty serious. And this is a very new medication called Tepeza. And it's a, a, a new drug for what's called thyroid eye disease or TED. Uh, and that is a condition that um, generally accompanies an overactive thyroid or Graves' disease. And so not a, a ton of people have it, although I will say I have it. <laughs> In fact, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease after giving birth to you. So I may, I may even have you to thank for part of that. But uh, I do what I can. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, so, so one of the symptoms that can occur with this disease, and it does not happen to everybody, but it is the thyroid eye disease. And it, it has a number of symptoms, but the thing that people always notice is that the, the eyeballs tend to bulge. Um, and it's, I mean, people feel very self-conscious about it. And, 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 and I think like the, the, the famous person like Barbara Bush had that condition. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a very noticeable thing um, when you see it. Um, and the other problems, I mean, obviously it doesn't look good. It's kind of, it, that's a big issue, but you also have dryness, you have inflammation, um, double vision, sometimes blurred vision, sensitivity to light, and, and it can actually affect your vision. Most people, it's more of a cosmetic thing and it doesn't affect your vision, um, but it can. And so this medication has come out and wow, I mean, if that can save your sight, holy crap, this is a great thing. Yeah. Um, more people than not are using it for the cosmetic effect mm -hmm. um, and I totally get that because believe me I can, I always look every time I saw my my, you know, my endocrinologist are my eyes bulging are my eyeballs bulging he's like I don't know tell it's me are they terrifying <laughs> yeah well it is it is scary it is scary um, so so anyway so this this medication has come out if it's affecting your vision um, obviously that's something you want to deal with and cosmetically I'm all about you know hey I mean I want to look good too I get that um, but it's very expensive drug and it turns out that it's also very risky um, it's actually causing deafness Deafness. Yes, causing uh, hearing loss. Putting it, and it's a cream. I'm assuming cream you put on your no, eyes, eye drops. No, not at all. Not at all. It's an infusion. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You go through a course of um, eight in, eight infusions um, every three weeks. Um, crazy expensive. I mean, just guess how much it costs for a 15K. course. 15K. More. 25 Way more. Really? $75? $120,000. Oh, per infusion? No, no, no. For the treatment. Oh, for the treatment. Okay. You know. Oh, okay. Well, well that's... 120, you know, some people can buy houses for that. No, that is... that. I mean, that is still insane, 100%. But also, I, you know, I've experienced with infusions. I know infusions, yeah. are, no matter what infusion it is, it's going to be disgustingly, like, absurdly overpriced. There's no, there's no infusion. You look at the price and you're like, okay, that's, I'm, I'm happy. I'll pay cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay cash. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a big money maker. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So it's a big money maker and it's really getting pitched. Um, and, but the risks of hearing loss are not being adequately addressed. Wow. Yeah. And so 
you know, so we, again, we, the people need to know the the real risks so that they can make a decision mm-hmm. about whether they want to take that risk or not. The other kind of the other thing that gets thrown in here too about this drug is that okay, I'm like, well, my eyes are going to look better. I might have hearing loss, but here's the kicker: maybe your eyes look better, but even if they start looking better, more often than not, within one year, the symptoms come back. Oh, and then you've got to go in for new treatment. Uh- and, and and again, it's a cumulative thing. The more treatments you have, the more likely you are to have hearing loss. So let's be honest about this. It's not just, okay, you're going to go through this one infusion. Maybe you lose a little hearing, but your eyes look great. No, your eyes are going to start, you know, the problem's coming back. And now you're going to have to go in for the treatment again. And the odds of you having hearing loss are going higher and higher and higher. Yes, yeah. yeah. So this is all kind of getting flushed out. Again, there's not like a gazillion of these cases. Um, but um, if you have this condition... Of course, you're gonna. It's, this is gonna sound appealing, and you need to know that you might have hearing loss. And 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 this, uh, I'm so curious about this because <laughs> I think that this brings up a really important point. Is because, like you mentioned, you know, everyone needs to know what the possible side effects are for what whatever medication is. And if you willingly take it and you recognize, you know, however terrible the side effects are, if you're aware of them and you recognize and accept it, then that that's fine. But I think, you know. There, it almost does change it if it's something like losing your hearing, losing your eyesight, something like that, or even, you know, physical appearance compared to risks of cancer or risks of those type of, you know, not easily noticeable diseases. Like for me, if I'm looking through, if I find out that I have a chance of losing my eyesight and my, and my hearing, I would, and even if it's much more minimal of a chance, I would be much more terrified of taking a drug that risks that than cancer, even if it's much higher, like double or triple the time, the odds of me like losing my eyesight. Well, yeah, I mean, in the you know, and the cancer is an interesting one because I mean, basically everything in the world it feels like causes cancer everything at gives some you point. cancer. Everything's terrible, but like, I don't want to lose my hearing. I don't want to lose my eyesight. Those are the things that I care the most about. Well, it's immediate and yeah, and tangible kind of as opposed to increasing a risk you already have of a developing a horrible disease that you don't want. Um, but again, the you know the original risks are probably kind of low, and now even if you double it you know, arguably that's still a relatively small risk. Um, and again, there are going to be people who probably feel the opposite of you and who are like, holy yeah. crap, if, if anything at all increase my yeah. risk of cancer, heck, no way. I'd rather so, lose my eyes than die. Right, I'm well, other way around. <laughs> but, but and again, that, that goes exactly to the point that let the individual make a decision because we're yeah. all different and we all have different priorities um, and different other things going on. Um, you know, and if somebody has a life exp- you know, expectancy of another five years, their choices might be completely different than somebody who thinks they've got another, you know, 80 years. And I guess my question was, how does it affect or is there any any change to the case when the risk or the way that people are being affected is much more tangible or almost noticeable? Like for if someone's losing their complete vision compared to getting cancer in 10 years, like what, what does that look like for the case process, for the reactions for people when they find out about it? You know, the, the, maybe the less tangible aspects of the case, if that makes sense. Um, y- yes, it makes sense. I guess that, you know, it's, it, they're all different. And I mean, you know, the type of cancer, I mean, if something, 
if you if you develop a cancer that is very treatable and that isn't likely to kill yeah. you, that's a, a very, very different, different than, than if you get a cancer that's always fatal and you yeah. you know you're going to die a miserable death. Um, and then of course you know with with any case, whether it's a mass tort case, you know different people's vision is worth different amounts. I mean, if somebody that's is a true. pilot, you know, and that's how they make their living, and now their vision is affected even minimally, they could lose their entire career. Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody's a ballerina and she loses a foot, I mean, this is a different thing. Um, you know, it's very, very individual and just how we value our various senses, um, makes, makes, makes a big difference. And so, and, and that's one of the things in any case, you know, you look at the, the, the damages to that person, how did it affect your life? Yeah. Um, if, if somebody could never jog again, I mm-hmm. mean, there are other people who'd be like, shit, I was never going to jog. That, I'm a couch potato. I have no desire to jog. Yeah. That's what's so insane to me is that, I mean, it's not insane, but I guess it's <laughs> something that you don't really think about is that, you know, you look at these, um, drugs or these devices and the terrible things that they're causing to, um, you know, clients or, or to, to the victims of the cases. And even though it's like the same thing, thinking about how it affects each individual person and how that, you know, the, the I guess, response or the pay, you know, the payback of it, the, the funds that you get in return is different based off that. Like you said, you know, if someone's a pilot and they lose their air sight, that's going to, or eyesight, that's going to affect them a lot more. And, you know, rightfully so probably deserve more money than someone that doesn't affect their entire livelihood and how they support their family. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's one of the good things about the system and about the whole tort system is that basically the purpose is to, you know, put you back to where you were. I mean, obviously you can't, but to compensate you um, for what your actual losses are, yeah. not for what they could have been or, um, you know, what they are for somebody else. And, and in the mass tort system as well, you know, there are in these global settlements, they're all a little bit different, but oftentimes there are different um, different levels, different categories, depending on the severity of the injury. Mm-hmm. And even then within those categories, looking at how it affected that individual person. Mm-hmm. You know, and this came up a lot, um, you know, with the, the vaginal mesh cases. And there were people who, um, you know, literally they could not have intercourse. They couldn't have sexual yeah. uh, relations anymore. Um, I had a client who was in her early 40s, and I had many clients who were in their 80s. And their perspective, although I did have one 80-year-old lady who told me some pretty crazy stories <laughs> about yeah, her, her sex life, which is quite impressive. But well. um, yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's very different. I mean, the same injury, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. But for this person, you know, who's maybe single or in, you know, in, a, in, a, in a marriage or something, you know, versus this person who's, you know, widowed and, and 85, the value there is different. Yeah, and, and I mean, the challenge of... You know, as impossible as this task is, putting a monetary value to, you know, so someone losing out on having sexual experiences like that at their 40s, mm-hmm. like putting monetary value on that. Absolutely insane and impossible. Yeah. But, you know, at least it's something. Yeah. Um, and, and I did, did want to touch on a point you said with the, the, the old, the 80 year old and unique stories. I swear I've heard this. I don't know if this is a rumor, but if STDs are just incredibly prevalent at retirement homes. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. If there's yes. just like massive outbreaks of just chlamydia throughout like one retirement home because everyone is just 
in a pile. Are you referencing the villages in Florida? I don't I don't know what I'm <laughs> referencing. I just know for a fact I have a voice in my head that's telling me that STDs are rampant in, the, in these retirements. It's retirement. true. It's true. I was actually, we were just um, in Tubac at a festival the other day and we were chatting with this couple who was at a retirement community here. And I just jokingly said, oh yeah, I hear there's like, you know, wild orgies and things. And he's like, oh my God, you wouldn't believe. And I was like, Oh, shit. I Jesus. didn't mean to open that can of worms here. but um, And then there was like all these signals. In fact, this was a funny one. Oh, just the think- pineapple. You, did I tell you that or did you no, know that? No, I know about that. Yeah, on like no. cruises. If you go on a cruise and you walk around a cruise and you see doors with pineapples on them, that means they're swingers. No. I, okay, this is I'm, – I'm, I'm like so in shock because what they said is like at the grocery store, if you put a pineapple yeah. in, you know, the top part of your cart. Apparently, it's like, I mean, it's just pineapples in general. Like, if you go to a house and they just have a bunch of pineapple ornaments in front of the house, and it's like, okay, they're swingers, you know? They're oh down God. with it. Oh, my God. Okay, so I, I just have to say, I'm kind of traumatized, so I'm going to get rid of this. But when we were in Germany, um, I was cold, and I bought a sweatshirt, and it has all these pineapples on it. <laughs> and it's like, but it's in German. So now I think I'm going to look like a German swing. Oh, my God. I think on the, I'm going to wear that on the next podcast. It's a real risk. It is. That's I can't. I'm so, I'm so traumatized that my son knows the pineapple thing. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's just kind of like a common, you know, if you're on Reddit this or anything like common. that, there's no pineapple. There's I've I've seen literally on Reddit front page it's like a picture of like oh I was on a cruise walking down the hall know what these guys are into and it's just a door full of pineapple magnets on it it's like okay these guys are fucking down I mean it's like one pineapple or you have like multiple pineapples I mean, well you know just- you got to throw multiple so you, so they know it's not an accident right it's not a coincidence that there's a pineapple no we are a pineapple who, couple who in the hell ever I mean <laughs> who in the hell like. It has pineapples as a decoration, even just one. I don't know. I'm just, uh, well, I've, learned, I, I've learned something new. And I'm sure this happens in retirement homes too, is you walk past doors and there's probably a few pineapples hanging out outside of them. You know, they got a few swinger, swinger clubs. But what if, so this is really, this really sucks because it discriminates its people who do not live in high citrus productive areas. I mean, you know, if you're in Canada, how do you, I mean, if you, to get a pineapple, if you can get one is going to be really expensive. Yeah, maybe they just throw out a, a bucket of maple syrup outside their door and they get their they own They have side. different methods. Yeah, exactly. You never know. <laughs> All right. We're going down a rabbit hole here. This is a little disturbing yeah, true, that true. I'm having this discussion well, with my I, son. I think we're coming to a close here. I don't know if Thank you want to go over any general info or just kind of updates for people before we close out the show. Um, well, I I, you know, generally we'll talk about um, you know, some general question about mass tours, but I think we kind of hit on that with like with the uh, recalls and that sort of thing. Um, what I do want to talk about just briefly is kind of giving a heads up on some of the things we might talk about next uh, next week. And and the one thing I really want to focus on is um, a what I think is going to be a really huge huge case, and that is the um, link between Tylenol, acetaminophen, and um, autism. So. Um, uh, in vitro exposure to Tylenol, so so pregnant mothers who use Tylenol, uh, huge increase in the risk of autism in their children. And that's um, just so many angles of that. So I would like to talk about that in a little bit more detail yeah. next week. Um, and then also in the meantime, just make sure um, that people know how to reach out to us um, with any questions. If there's anything that you would like us to address on the podcast, we would love to do that. Um, we have some questions and we'll probably address one of those, um, next week. 
Um, but, but certainly let us know what you want us to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, follow us on all of our social media, Showered Law on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, but yeah, next week, I think that'll be a really interesting conversation topic. Um, pregnant women taking Tylenol and it possibly having connections of increasing odds of autism in their kids. Insanely interesting. And I think that'll be um, a good show. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening today. We will catch you next week and hope you have a fantastic week.